Welcome to All the Social Ladies, a podcast bringing you candid conversations with the boldest women in digital marketing. I'm Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media, and let's get into the show. Special treat today, guys. I've got Allison Kelly, the Director of Digital and Mobile Marketing at Amtrak. She's on the show today talking about how Amtrak uses data to not only increase their bookings, but also get a really good in-depth understanding of their customer. Take a listen. Welcome, Allison, to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. I'm so excited to have you on. You know, I'm a big fan of Amtrak. And uh, as I mentioned to you earlier, I love the Acela. I find it to be one of the least stressful, most peaceful and exciting ways to travel. That's exactly what we um, have included in our campaigns. It's the smarter way to travel. Awesome. I love it. So before we get into information about Amtrak, let's talk a little bit about you. Looking back on your career, what would you say the three defining moments were that helped you get to where you are today? Um, I would say the first defining moment would be when I decided to go back and get my MBA. Um, I did not do a business degree in undergrad. I was a liberal arts major. Um, and after my first job out of college, I knew that to transition into a business and a marketing role, I was going to need some additional education. Um, so I went back to get that MBA. I had no idea how hard it was going to be. Um, I feel like no one prepared me for that. It was, at that time at least, the hardest thing I had done. There were a lot of classes that were really tough. But I really loved the marketing classes, and I, and I, you know, I knew at that point that I had chosen kind of the right career path and trying to transition to marketing. Um, and I think looking back now, you know, if you think, you know, I, I got my MBA probably 15 years ago, um, marketing at that point was not quite as analytical, not as much data. Um, but I think those two years where um, I was getting my MBA, I, what I really took away from that was learning to be um, more analytical in everything that I do. And that's served me really well since. That's great. I think that you know, going to business school helps give you the confidence to be truly analytical because it gives you the competency that helps you get there. Like a lot of times when I look at something and I'm analyzing it, I, I reflect back on some of my prior learning. So I think business school would be key in that. Yes, absolutely. And it gives you exposure to areas where you may never work, but at least you understand kind of what, what is accounting's role, what is finances role, what is, you know, it kind of gives you that background so you can work on cross-functional teams as well. Fabulous. All right. Tell me your second moment. My second moment, this might make you laugh, but when I first took my role at Amtrak, um, it was the first role I had that was only focused on digital. Um, it was email marketing and website content kind of optimization and personalization. That was about 10 years ago. I knew that digital was, you know, here to stay, but it still felt a little risky to me. Uh, my prior yeah. roles had, you know, I had also handed offline media, um, and so you know, I kind of look back and I chuckle because, you know, I can't imagine at this point doing anything else, um, but that was kind of a leap that took me in a, in a direction and I've never looked back since. It's interesting because you took a risk towards uh, technology and a movement and you really didn't know long-term that that would be kind of the shift, the seismic shift that happened for marketers everywhere. So you learned early a key skill. So that's really great. Yes, absolutely. And it's interesting because, you know, with my email background, now digital advertising is shifting towards more addressability. And the thinking around email segmentation and all of that is now, now applies to advertising as well. So it's been an interesting transformation to watch. 
Ooh, that's really interesting. I think you're absolutely right that segmentation is is the way of the future, especially not even just with digital and websites and all of it, but social media too. It's like you can talk to the specific customer that you want to talk to and how. And really, we did do that with email back in the past as well. Exactly. Okay, third moment. Um, my third moment was when I was hired in my current role, which is a role that focuses very heavily on advertising and analytics, I actually didn't have any, an advertising background. So I came from that email and web world. Um, I understood you know, analytics well, but certainly not nothing specific to digital advertising. And I think that the, the reason this was a defining moment for me was for two reasons. One, because it taught me that you know, someone took a chance on me. They said, you know what, this you know, girl has worked hard, and she's done a great job in her current role. And while she doesn't really fully understand the advertising landscape, we think she can learn. Um, and looking back on that, I really appreciated that. And I don't know that I knew exactly what I was getting into. Um, it's hard to know everything about a role if you, haven't, you, know, you don't have that exact background. It also taught me to do the same for others. So uh, you know, I recently hired someone on my team who she was an internal hire, great reputation. She came from IT. Um, she doesn't know, you know, the advertising space that well, but she's, you know, she's really good at all of the other kind of things that are included in the role. And I thought she can learn the advertising piece. I can help her with that. Um, and, you know, so far it's working out really well. I think there's, you know, there's a lot of research that shows that women won't apply for roles, particularly externally, where they don't have, you know, they don't check all of the boxes where yeah. men will. They just have more kind of inner confidence when it comes to that. Um, so this kind of taught me to just believe in myself and my ability to keep kind of growing and learning into new roles. I have a couple questions for you on that in particular. First of all, how do you gear up for a role? Thinking back, you took that role in advertising and you didn't have necessarily the experience. You knew that you had a lot of the qualifications and the qualities that you need to succeed, but you didn't have the experience. What do you do to gear up when you're in that position of discomfort? Um, a couple of things. I think the timing was really right. Within the within the team at that time, they had been doing digital, but they really needed to take it to the next step. So it wasn't like they were doing digital that was so advanced that I, you know, I kind of as I grew and learned digital, um, the team and the the work that we did advanced with it. So you know, back then we weren't just programmatic, for example, and and things like that. So I didn't have to get caught up to like where I am today, for example, all in you know three to six months. Having said that, two really important things for me are um, getting out to conferences when I can and extensive reading of, you know, a lot of different of the, the trade rags that kind of keep me up to date on all of these things. And actually the first time I started listening to podcasts was when I was listening to podcasts from, you know, Digiday and Ad Exchanger and all of those that kind of got me, you know, I'm on a train an hour every morning and an hour every night. It's a great time to kind of get caught up with reading and listening to what's going on in the industry. So really making sure that you're on top of everything. I, I find that... It, the more you read and, and do, the more confident you'll feel in the zone. And I, I do agree with you that sometimes if the core values are there, if you have the kind of soft skills, the important things that make someone good at their job, the tactics can really be taught. Absolutely. And I think the other thing is that I ask a lot of questions. There's that saying, you know, if you have a question and you're not asking it, someone else in the room probably has the same question. And I think that's very true. But I ask a lot of questions. It's, it's a dumb question. Well, it's a dumb question. But, you know, if you don't understand something and it's, you know, kind of really key to you understanding the, the overall strategy or execution of the media, then you just have to ask. And with digital, there's so many nuances to the execution. You kind of constantly have to be asking a lot of questions and you're constantly learning. Absolutely. Now, I know in your role, you've transformed the way that Amtrak optimizes digital media. Talk to me about some of the changes that you made when you stepped into that role and how you're measuring success. 
Sure. So when I arrived into this role, the team was using a web analytics tool for measurement. Everything was optimizing on um, a click-through rate, and even display media was was being optimized on click-through rate and plus-click conversions, um, which, you know, as you know, display click-through rates are really low, and they're not necessarily the best indicator of um, engagement and back-end performance. So after kind of figuring that out through some research, I went ahead and figured out what we needed to do to get all the necessary code installed on our website so we could connect the front-end data with the back-end data and so that the media team could be optimizing on what was actually happening on our website in terms of are there bookings happening and what's the revenue that results from that. Um, so that was a big transformation for us, um, kind of looking at that, that back-end data. We also connected the um, ad server data, which is a really key piece of data, with our customer data. And by doing that, we get a, a really deep understanding of what the campaign is driving in terms of who is buying it, what are they buying, have we seen them before, you know, have they taken this product before, is this a new product for them. Um, so that gave us a really, just a level of insight that we hadn't had previously, and it also gave us some transparency. Um, because that was, you know, connecting all the data together with our own data. So, you know, was, that first-party data can be very, very valuable. Another thing that I think has been, you know, a big topic and, and certainly we've been focused on over the last couple of years is viewability. Um, if yep. our ads aren't seen, then they're not driving bookings and revenue. So we've been focused on trying to get viewable impressions to a point where we're comfortable with, you know, people are seeing these ads and then they're coming back and converting. And then I would say the, the last thing we do is um, we do use some third parties. In general, our day-to-day -day analytics runs through our agency. They run all of our kind of weekly reports, quarterly reports, et cetera. Um, but we do use some third-party measurement vendors that I find really invaluable. Um, we're a big brand, and we have a lot of penetration, particularly here in the Northeast Corridor. So yep. we can't take credit for every single booking we drive through an ad. If, you know, if someone has been, let's say, a Gastrowars member for many years, we can't always say, well, that was an incremental conversion. So we've worked with third parties and using um, exposed and controlled data to understand what are the conversions that you know, wouldn't have happened anyway, kind of above that baseline. And that's really helped us understand from the tactic perspective what's driving more incremental conversions. Is it programmatic? Is it paid social? Is it video? Um, and then optimize accordingly. It sounds like it's such a good handle on the data. How much of marketing in your mind, Allison, is gut versus science? Like, is it all data or is there a point where you kind of look at the data and say, well, my gut says this, I'm going in this direction? I, tr I mean, I would say there are some things that you just have to go with your gut because the measurement tools that we have today are, you know, sometimes they're directional, sometimes it depends on what they are. So for upper funnel, for example, I think we have to use our gut a little bit more focus on um, making sure we're, we're getting efficient in our buys, but there's not always the you know, exact right data points, the back-end data, for example, to optimize those on. So I think that's a little bit more gut. I, I try really hard not to ignore data that's not the data that I want to see. <laughs> that's yep. a hard thing to yep. do. I think we all you know, are looking for a certain answer when we ask when we have a hypothesis around an A-B test or um, we want to see a campaign work. And I, and I try you know, to look at the data um, objectively and not, you know, lead myself to that answer. And having an analyst on the team also helps, you know, kind of helps keep me honest in that way. Absolutely. I think it's so easy to take data to use to supplement and justify a point versus looking at data and helping to determine the point. Using it on the front end versus the back end, I think, is what's key. Yeah, I think you can generally find data points to support any story you want to tell. 
And it's all yep. about really trying to find the truth in the data and not just finding data points to support the story that, that you're you know already trying to tell. It's an important piece. So I love last year's Break the Travel Quo campaign. Tell me how you're using social media to create content that resonates with travelers and increases ridership, because this campaign was awesome. Oh, I'm so glad you liked it. It was definitely my favorite that you know we've worked on in, in my time in the role. Um, so Break the Travel Quo was a very social-centric campaign. It was really born out of insights in of, you know travelers' frustrations. We actually did interviews with travelers while they were going about their travel in other modes to hear from directly from them, like what are the, the biggest pain points. I think you know, if you travel a lot, I'm sure you know them, but there's a lot of hassle at airports. You know, the traffic, especially in the Northeast Corridor, gets worse every year. There's baggage fees. There's small seats. You know, there's all of these things that travelers have just, just you know, kind of put up with over the years. Um, yep. And this campaign kind of you know, shake them out of that, that normal travel behavior, whatever that is, and let them know that there is you know, an alternative and, you know, it's hard to do that. Um, when someone is familiar with something, whether it's driving or flying or, or taking the bus, it's, it's tough to get them to switch. But that was the goal of the campaign. Um, the creative definitely was, you know, humorous. We were trying to get people's attention. And so um, that was a big, a big piece of it. And we needed, we did, it was really social in the sense that we needed really large platforms, really large scale, because we did a teaser reveal strategy. So we actually put together um, some 15-second spots that were, um, not branded, and we ran those, you know, for a couple of days. We knew we wouldn't be able to run them that long without people kind of calling us out and saying, "Hey, we think this is Amtrak." So we ran those for a couple of days, um, and then we retargeted users with the branded, the branded 30-second and 15-second spots afterwards. And that was largely done on YouTube and Facebook. Um, we really could get that that scale. So, you know, in that sense, it was, you know, we rolled out kind of the the first couple weeks of the campaign solely on social. Um, and yep. then we switched over to other other platforms that we found, you know, have worked for us over the years and took the message to those platforms as well. So as a um, social first campaign, when you're looking at that, how do you measure success? How do you, how do you say this worked or this didn't? Are you looking solely at people who converted their travel processes? Are you looking at reach and engagement? What are you looking at? Primarily ROI is what we um, are measuring. So yes, so, you know, revenue over spend is how we calculate ROI. But we're also looking at with videos. This is a very video-heavy campaign. So we also did look at engagement. Um, you know, if it was a 15-second spot, how many were engaged past the first three seconds? You know, for example, on uh, we worked with with Facebook on a partnership where we did some list studies to understand, you know, how the videos were were driving. Um, I think that these platforms can be really good partners. It's all it's always good to have your own data as well, but they can provide some insights that you wouldn't be able to get otherwise. Um, for example, with Google, we look at search queries as well. Um, so those yep. that were exposed to the video, are they googling Amtrak or some you know subset of keywords around Amtrak um, or trains? Um, so that's how we're, we're measuring. But it's, so it's, it's I would say it's layered. So you know we're looking at everything from um, recall and purchase intent all the way down to the booking. Fabulous. And the way you invest in digital media, do you look at things like search versus social differently? Search, obviously, they're looking to book, right? They're, they're going and searching and looking to book for something. Whereas in social, it's more like you're a part of that conversation or you're showing up in a place where you're a part of that conversation. Do you weight the two differently or is it simply do you spend differently based on where you think you can get a better return? Um, that's a tough question to answer. So we had um, undertaken an, a multi-touch attribution model that was supposed yep. to help us solve some of these some of these questions because under last click, obviously search, obviously it looks great, and 
I think when you're sharing out data, especially with executives, they're not thinking about the attribution model and the fact that search is always that lowest funnel and the ROI always looks great, um, but it doesn't tell the whole story. So, you know, I think that's where multi-touch comes in to try to understand, well, what happened before they saw the search ad and clicked on it and, and bought something? And that's kind of a work in progress for us. That's a great answer. I think it's I think it's important to look at, right? Because if you just go on the specifics like, okay, search ad clicked, booked, then of course it looks a certain way. However, if you look at the true interactions and the true buying cycle, it's much, much more than that. So it's it's an interesting, it's always an interesting thing to look at. And I, I love to see how different companies approach it. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a work in progress for us. I think cross-device is also becoming more important, and that's something that yeah. we need to think about this year. Um, because without it, you really don't understand the consumer. <laughs> You're only understanding totally. one, you know, who they are as a cookie on one device and another device that's not connected. So um, I think it's going to be an evolution for us over the next year or two. Totally. Okay, we're heading on over to the lightning round. I'm going to ask you three quick questions, and you're going to tell me the first thing that comes into your mind. Are you ready for me, Allison? I'm ready, yep. Okay. What is one piece of advice you would tell your younger self? Take bigger risks than you're comfortable with. Get out of your comfort zone and do things that, you know, I think on a recent podcast I listened to with another uh, marketer, she talked about that, that sweet spot in your 20s where you, you know, are fairly unencumbered. Um, use that time to do some things that you may not be able to do later if you settle down, have a family. Um, so definitely taking more risks. Yes, take risks and start early. Exactly, before you're too tied down. If you could meet any living person for dinner, who would you pick? I think I'd have to say the Obamas. Oh, both. I like it. Mine is often Michelle both. Obama. Sometimes I go back and forth. <laughs> for, for different reasons. Okay, and last question. If you could use only one social network for you, which would you choose? I think I would have to say Instagram. Um, Facebook has gotten my Facebook feed is a little bit cluttered with news and if Instagram is just a little bit more pure. So I think I would say Instagram. Isn't it just like the simplest, best network? It's very simple and it, it just does what you need. It, it's where I get a lot of my inspiration, you know, following brands. Um, you know, Nat Geo yep. is one where I see, you know, these interesting projects they're doing all over the world. Um, it, there's just something about it that, yeah, it's, it's simple. Um, and it's, it kind of takes you away from what's going on in the world as opposed to, you know, brings you closer to that moment every day, you know, what's going on that you may or may not want to think about at that moment. Absolutely. And what's the best network? Which network performs the best for Amtrak? Oh, that's interesting. I think it would depend on the, the KPI. Um, mm -hmm. I think we've done very well with Facebook. Um, we have really great first party data that we've started using across the network. So I think, you know, where we can use that data, is very valuable. Um, so I would say that to date, that's it. But I think Instagram will play a bigger role in the future. Fabulous. Wonderful. Well, Allison, it is great to meet you. And thank you for being a fabulous social lady and coming on the show today. Very exciting stuff. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. That was all the social ladies. Don't miss new episodes every week. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And if you like what you heard, please rate and review the show. I'm Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media and author of Work It, Secrets for Success from the Boldest Women in Business. Follow me at Carrie Kirpin everywhere. And for more social smarts, be sure to follow Likeable at Likeable Media. Thanks for listening. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.